Today is the day in which we discuss the very complex word, <laughs> anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism is definitely a six-syllable word. It actually is a, its, its sister word is anthropopathism, which we're going to get to in just a moment. And this word contains both a danger and a purpose. That's, uh, that's what we're going to be exploring a little bit here. This is perhaps the first of the Ikarim in which the Rambam is challenged. The, and perhaps the philosophy of the Rambam is challenged on many levels. Beforehand, you know, the existence of God and the Yichud of Hashem are pretty, you know, pretty easy, not, I wouldn't say easy, but in inverted commas, you know, pretty standard ideas. When it comes to the, the um, corporality of God, the, the body or the form of God, that becomes a little more complex. <coughs> so let's start off at the very beginning. Let's see what the Rambam has to say, and then let's contemplate. This is what the Rambam describes when he puts this into words in his third Ikar. The top of the, it's the, the top of the page here. By Yesoda Shlishi, this, uh, this, uh, the third foundation is Shlilas Hagashmus Mimenu, is the removal of any form of physicality. Right? There's, there is no form of physicality for who? And that is, Shezeo Echot Enaguf Velakoyach Beguf. He is not bodily and he has no bodily functions. And therefore, no bodily, um, we'll call it movement, or function will affect him. For instance, movement or rest. Not intrinsically, and not circumstantially. That's why they, um, blessed in peace, who's they blessed in peace? That's referring to? Chazal. So they, the rabbis, um, 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 removed from him any form of um, connection or, dis- or separation. He has no sitting, he has no standing. And if I'm not mistaken, this is Oyref and Ipui is referring to uh, connection or, di- or separation. Okay, so he says that Hashem has no connection, Hashem has no separation. Fascinating. Who are you going to compare God to? Fantastic. This is what the Rambam says. I want to read the end of it right now because I want to actually delve into that in his words. We expand on this later on in Yad HaZaka. So now, this is what the Rambam says. The Rambam is basically saying that Hashem has no form of physical limitation. Fascinating. Uh, the way we say this in the Animamin is, I believe that the Creator, blessed be He, is not a body. Now that's a different thing. What is, what is He saying over there? He's not a body, and what? What's He saying? People that, people that seek him out. Okay. So, so, la means to, 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 to catch up or to perceive or to encompass, to perceive. So what he's saying over here is, is that within the five senses that we're limited to, we're not going to be able to see him. That's interesting. Not only is he not a body, that means to say he's not susceptible to our perception. Right? It means, you know, like when you have all these, you know, these uh, eerie, you know, uh, um, um, TV shows in which they're trying to catch, you know, ghosts, and they say that ghosts can be connect, you know, can be captured on magnetic film, and you can see shadows. That doesn't work. Meaning, meaning to say, when it comes to God, there's, there's, you just there is not. 
He's not on the same wavelength. You're not going to, you're not going to, you can see maybe what he did, but you can't see him. You're not going to be able to get access to that. That's what the Ram is saying. You see what this Anim Amin is saying. He's not visible. He's not visible, meaning, and this is just such an important thing. Our five senses are not, we'll call it, expansions of consciousness. They're limitations of consciousness. That's, inter- that's an interesting point. Meaning, we're limited to five senses. Right? If we, had the, if we were like Bruce Willis and we had the sixth sense, we could, you know, get into a little more. But, it, but the point is that the, the, we're, we're somewhat limited in the way that we perceive things. Now, he says, the, the, the animal ends, He has no, you know, there's no way of imagining him. There's no way of imagining him. And similarly, we sing on a Friday night, he has no form of a body, he is not a body, so we cannot estimate, we cannot approximate his holiness. Um, which is interesting, we're attributing the holiness to his, to his body, which is interesting as to, that's perhaps why we can't, because it's in a different realm. Now, this is very fascinating. Um, if you're, if you, for those of you who are like, um, up to speed on what's called Messianic Judaism, Messianic Judaism is in fact Christianity. There's a no, 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 I'm not referring to sex within Judaism. There's a, there's a, uh, there's what's called. There's a whole movement now, um, a very dangerous movement um, in Israel actually, and um, and on campuses here for many years, which is where where Christianity is saying that you know Judaism is part of the ultimate, you know the ultimate end game. So um, they they therefore become part. Of, they they sort of try to take Jews and say, you know, you can still worship in Shul, and they have these beautiful sanctuaries, but ultimately there's three people they're pa- praying to. And it becomes this very complex reality. Unfortunately, a lot of Israelis who are coming out of the army are finding these places, these havens in Tel Aviv. You know, there's a lot of very s- disturbing things. I actually met with the head of Jews for Judaism on the East Coast, and she was showing me some of these very disturbing things that are going on in Israel. If you read their blogs, a lot of them are saying, well, Elod de Musaguf, that's right, when it comes to God... God doesn't have a body. But you know what? That's just one part of him, right? After all, you now have, you know, he's got his helper, right? He's down here on earth and he's going to make a second coming, you know? And Yoshka certainly does. So just, just being aware, like in, the, in what the Rambam is saying over here is, is a very important point, And that is, is that there is, there's, not, there's, there's no way, there's no manifestation of God or any part of him. Okay, just to just to appreciate how important that it is very relevant right now, right here. You know, if, if you're told that there's going to be a particular part of God that you're worshiping and you can see and you can touch and you can you can relate to, then there's there's something a little wrong with that. That's already that should already set off the the smoke alarm. Okay, so that's what the the Ramam is is um, is, is um, um, attempting to say here. Now let's let's take a step backwards um, and um, think about it from this perspective. When you read the Torah, right, the Torah that we were given at Sinai, and you're reading the Pesukim, and you read Torah, and then you read later on Nach, what is, what, is, what is the greatest case? Meaning, what is the default? What do you think the Torah intended? Do you think the Torah emphasizes that God has a form, doesn't have a form, is neutral? What, what, what is the most likely default that the Torah is trying to express to us? Put the Ramam aside for a moment. What is the Torah telling us? What does the Torah seem to be emphasizing? Well, so you say there's no nobody. Alan, you said nobody. Okay, so there's a, there's a, let's just put all the cards on the table. Moshe Rabbeinu asks to see Hashem. Right. right, Hashem shows him his back, so to speak. Okay, then, then what else? <laughs> right, you know we, we you know we talk about right. Right, so well, that, that's the medrash. That's the medrash. Okay, let's 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 just uh, let's go on on explicit Torah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Okay, so another thing that Yonah is bringing up is that humanity is created in, in the image of God. Now, Kharonov, just, just, just appreciate this. Like the emotions of God is a little different. That's what's called, that's where anthropopathism, pathos, right? That's what you do is, is like, you know, you're actually taking the feelings of the, the divine and attributing, you're taking human feelings and attributing them to the divine. That's anthropopathism. Anthropomorphism is where you're taking, you know, we'll call it physical or corporeal elements. So, so both, are, both are relevant over here. The Rama is more focused on the body. He doesn't mention the emotions, but I would imagine that's a, an, a, an expansion thereof. Yeah. Even though I think Okay, good. So, so you're saying so it's a necessity, yeah. right? But you're you're already explaining. I, I, what, I, what, I, you, let's, I, what I'm asking is, before we even start explaining, is that what's the Torah's? What does the Torah seem to be emphasizing? It's so. So, what a lot of people rightfully point point out is that the Torah seems to em- be emphasizing that God does have some form of. You know, the talk talks about Him in bodily fashion, talks about Him in an emotional fashion. But what's so fascinating is the Rambam says that if you read the Torah correctly, you would come to the you would come to the realization that he has no body. That's what the Rambam, the Rambam actually says. If you read the Torah correctly, you'll see you'll see he has no body. Why? Now that's that's that. I mean, he disappreciate this. What we could have said was the Rambam, from his philosophical theological standpoint, has to say this, and therefore the Torah has to fit into the way he sees it. Because how else could there be a God, right? But the Rambam doesn't say that. The Rambam says, when I read the Torah, what stares out at me is that God has no body. Now, let, let, let's see how, how, he, says, how he does this. That's, that's, quite a, that's quite a feat. Says the Rambam, in, um, in this, in, this is in Hilchus Yisrael, our Torah, the first parak. This is really at the beginning of all his fundamentals. Um, um, uh, and he says the following, It is explicit in the Torah, and in the prophets, Hashem has no body, or form Shinemar, Kiashem Lakechem, Hu Hailakim Ashamaim Malva Arts Mitachas. God is the power in heaven and earth, um, um, or heaven above and earth below. And now he, uh, listen to the argument. Vaguf, Loyeb Shnemakomos. It's impossible for a body to, to actually have, be, be expressed in two places. Venemar Kilore Sim Koltumuna, you never saw any form. Don't compare me and I'll uh, be similar to anything else. And if he had a body, he'd be similar to any, any other form that's in this world. Now, let's think about, let's contemplate what he's just said. He's saying if you read the Torah very carefully, the Torah is actually telling you what it's, what, 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 um, something about Hashem. And that is, is that Hashem is beyond body. Let's think about his first proof for a moment. What, what, what's the first proof? So he can't be in two places at once. Now, to me, this, uh, when, you, when you first read this, why can't you simply say, you know, there's the heavens and the earth. So there must be at a certain point where, you know, I guess in the atmosphere where you say, okay, you've now moved from he- earth to heaven, right? So why can't you just say Hashem is huge, right? And he, and he is able to be in both places simply because he is huge and he can be in both places. Meaning, what, what's, what's the Ramam trying to say over here? Where, where is he getting from the fact that God is beyond body, from the fact that he can, he can, preoccup- he can occupy two, two places at once or... Um, in the heavens and the earth. Because he's beyond. I don't. I don't. I don't think the Rambam is actually putting limitations on God. I don't think that he ever would do that because that doesn't exist. There's such a thing as God cannot invent the rock that he can't lift. Let's put it that way. Because such a thing as a limitation on God. What we're saying is that because there is a pasuk that says Therefore, you can't even think about this in terms of a body. 
you can't even think of this as, as, as a person. So therefore, there never could be any any place in the Torah that has that, that could be that limited to that. It has to do with person. But I think I think that's what Nate was uh, Mr. Kinkill was, 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 was saying over here. Okay, yeah, so we're going to get to Uncle Moshe in just a moment, actually. This is very important. This is very important, actually. Yeah, Uncle Moshe actually is, very, is, is related to this. Let me, let, me just, let me just think about this from this perspective. First of all, number one is, when we talk about Shema and Varetz, it doesn't necessarily mean to say, you know, you know here on terrestri- terrestrial and then in the celestial and, you know, in, in orbit. Shema and Varetz, as understood certainly by the Ramban, is referring to the, this world and the that world, meaning this world and the nether world. We're talking about two different domains. So saying Hashem is rather big and can fill both isn't, it isn't a logical step. It's, it's, right, we're talking about two different actual parallel universes according to the Rambam, right? the way the Rambam views Olam Hazen, Olam Abbas. So first of all, when he's talking about this concept of filling two places, that's very, uh, it's, it's much bigger than simply just to- um, height. But more than that, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, um, the, um, one of the previous Rosh Yeshiva of Neri Yisrael, he wrote, he wrote and he spoke, or he actually spoke a lot more um, about this topic than he wrote about it, but he, he gave a series of lectures on the Yud Gimel Yikar, and he argues something very interesting. And that is, is, he asks the first question, which is, why is it so important that we believe that Hashem is beyond physical, uh, the, uh, the physical? Meaning, why, out of all things that we're going to encompass in, Ju- uh, in Judaism, does this make it to number three in the fundamentals, and lacking thereof, you might, according to the Ramam, even be a, um, a, um, an apichorus? Why? Why is that so significant? That, that this is included so early on, the, on, on in the list, and even on the list in the first place. Okay, so what is, his point is like this, is that he says it actually will affect the way you worship him. Think about this for a moment. If for any way, in any sense, you were to think of God with some form of body, with some form of physical, um, a physical we'll call it, dimension to him, that automatically means that he's limited. Now, that automatically means you've limited him. Because let's say I think of him as the most powerful, powerful being, but he's a powerful being with an image or a shape. Now, every shape has a parameter, which means to say that there's an end to it. And if there's an end to it, I can be beyond that end. So that means that, therefore, in my service of God, I could philosophically say to myself that there is a place that I could be that he's not. Right? Because after all, there must be an end to him. So if I'm beyond that end, I'm just hiding behind that tree, then I'm able to do something. Or I'm able to do what I want. Which means to say, thinking of God in any physical form limits the power he has over you. You see that? It limits the way you're going to act in your life. That's a very, very profound thing. What the Ramam is saying over here is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is beyond any parameter, which means to say, wherever you are, he's watching you. This is, brief. this is before Big Brother came into the world, right? This is, this is like Rosh Baruch There's an eye in Ra'ah. There's a, uh, an eye which watches. That means to say there is no limitation. Why? Because it actually affects your practical day-to-day subconscious way of serving God. That's what, that's what Ray Weinberg says. He goes a little further. Is it true that Hashem is a spiritual being? Meaning, He's not a physical being. Is He a spiritual being? You know? Let's think about this. So... So, meaning, there's, there's a certain realm of physical beings, and there's a realm of spiritual beings. Is Hashem within the realm of spiritual beings? The answer is, no. no. He's not in the realm of Malachim. He doesn't have those components. He created that realm of the spiritual realm. Which means to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only is no, has no physical form, he's also not bound by the laws of the spiritual world. But you know what's interesting? The Ramam doesn't say that in his Ikar. The Ramam just says that the only thing we need to believe is, 
That is not part of the physical realm. You know why? Because let's say you would have a misconception in your belief and you thought that God was just the top of the totem pole of the angels, right? Meaning you thought that he was part within the spiritual realm. It's a mistake, but it wouldn't affect the way that you carry out your business on a day-to-day basis. Because the fact that he may occupy some space in the spiritual world doesn't therefore impact the fact that he can't see everything I'm doing or the fact that he's not all, all and ever-present. So says Rav Yaakov Weinberg, that's just a very fascinating point. The Ram is only focusing on that which has a practical outcome in the way in which we live. Of course Hashem is beyond the physical. He's beyond the spiritual. He created the whole system. But the point is over here is that's what his focus is. Very, very fascinating, very salient point. Now, now, now the Ram, of course, has to get back to the basics now. So he has, he has argued that essentially there is no such thing as um, any physical form to God. So then the question is, pray tell, let's go back to the Torah and look at his hand. Let's look at his anger. Let's look at everything else the Torah tells us about him. And question, so why exactly is the Torah misleading us? Meaning, if, that's what the, if that is what the Ramam says, that the Torah is explicitly telling us that God is, has no body, and we understand the reasons, so then the Torah is very misleading. It is perhaps, in the majority, it's misleading. Every place you come across it. So, of course, the Ramam is quite aware and keenly aware of this issue, and that's why he addresses it in the next halacha. The Ramam says in, um, in Source 2, Imkain, this is halacha Yamtes, Mahu Zesh, Raglov, and that under his feet, right, this is, this is referring to the Sinai experience, that the, the Luchos are written with the, the hand, the finger of God, Yad Hashem, the hand of God, Eignai Hashem, right, you can think of all the Pesukim that these relate to, right, the, the land of Israel is Eignai Hashem, the eyes of God, Oznai Hashem, tough one to find, meaning the Ramam is quite killing the way, he has read Tanakh many, many times. Okay, so he knows that the, the Torah talks about these things. What are you going to do this? So the Torah speaks in the language that humanity understands, and we are only, we live within a very limited scope, and that is within the bodily world. And the Torah is speaking to us in a metaphorical sense, because we can understand the metaphor. We can't understand the reality. All of them are... are really expressions, or uh, we'll call it um, code names. Shenemar im shanoi sibarok chabi, that Akash Baruch Hu talks about his sword, v'chi cherev yeshloi, v'cherev u'horeg, God has a big sword up there. Elo moshel v'akom, ha-moshel v'akom moshel, everything's a metaphor. Right, this is not the Greek, um, the Greek pantheon over here. Raya l'davar, shenovi echad, oimer, shera HaKadosh Baruch Hu levushai kislag shiyor. So his example is, is that one prophet says that he saw God, what was the expression of God? was in whiteness. God was in like white like snow. And another one saw him in these crimson or red garments coming from Batsra. He describes him as an ish milchamot, right, as a man of war, a warrior. And at, at Har Sinai, like a, a, a rapt um, um, a pray, a person in prayer. Lomar, so what does this show you? Meaning, everybody's got a different perspective of God. So what does that show you? Lomar, That means to say that there is no, it's not like there's an objective reality you're watching. It's what Hashem decided to allow you to see in a certain particular prophetic perspective. And really, we cannot perceive, understand, or, or, um, or plan the depths. And the Pazak says that there's no possibility, there's no, there's no real witness to God or His reality. Now that's very, very 
So the, that's what the Rambam understands it. So, what's primary, meaning the primary um, strand in thought, according to the Rambam, is there's no, there's no body, and the rest of it is simply a marshal. That's what the Rambam understands it. That was coming back to what Adam was saying, is that, is that this, it's, a, a necessary, it's a necessary tool for us to be able to perceive, perceive our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Um, and this is where the Rambam stands. He, he addresses, by the way, the other, his next halacha, which um, I didn't bring over here, he addresses. So what's Moshe Rabbeinu asking then? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai um, says, Show me your honor. So what's, what exactly is, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu asking for at that point in time? Meaning, like, show me what? Like, what exactly is Moshe expecting to see at that point in time? Okay. Why things work the way they do. Okay, so so what, what's what's happening over here the, the, is is that what Moshe Rabbeinu is asking to see is not God, but perhaps the expression or the actions or the understanding of God. The way the Rambam describes it is the following: is that you know, let's say I were to say to you, you know, there's this wonderful fellow, Joe Smith, and um, I tell you all these kind of things about Joe, and you know, and he's tall and he's good looking, and he you know. Um, and he's clean shaven. He's got brown hair. And he's got whatever. Whatever I tell you to, you, you're going to conjure up a particular image. But say you're to be walking through a crowd, you're not going to necessarily say that's Joe, right? Based on what I'm telling you, because ultimately it's all intellectual. It's knowledge, right? You're not going to be able to pick him out of a crowd. If I give you just quickly a, 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 a wallet a, a wallet picture, or just allow you to see him for just one moment, you have you, you're going to everything I said, all those words are meaningless compared to the, the experience of actually seeing Joe. And now whenever you see him again, when you have a flat, you, there's going to be some form of recognition. Some people aren't face people. Okay. But in general, you're going to, have, you're going to be able to, like, to, to pick him out. So what, what, what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, according to the Rambam, is, is give, me a, give me a natural sense of understanding of how you operate in this world. Give me a natural understanding of what the logic of you are. What's the essence of you? And what was Moshe Rabbeinu's, what was Hashem's answer? Which means to say that you know humanity doesn't have that access. If you're to fully understand what's going on with with me, then you're no longer human. And if you want to remain human, if you want to be a person limited to the to the scale and we'll call it the senses of a human, of a human, you're not going to be able to do that. So he shows him his back. Now I'm just going to leave that as a question. What does that mean, the back of Hashem? Then you know, like leaving that as 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 what he does allow him to see. As that's a very fascinating. That's a very fascinating question. Um, but okay, no. But I'm just, just anyway. So that, 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 that's. I'm just going to leave that on the table. Yes. I think it's, it's similar to what you talked about the Shema last. last okay, good. I think it's more related, not because Moshe knows he couldn't possibly understand God ever, but I think it's more like understanding the why things happen. You know, the connection between everything. So to see the good, that he would always recognize that it's the good. So right. Seeing his back could be like he gets to see part of it. He gets okay, so so some people say, and without going too deeply into that right now, but what some people say is that. Ultimately, that's what, that's what history is. Meaning, Achorai might mean, historically speaking, you're going to see God in retrospect and, his, and, and what his logic is and the way he interacts with the world. But you're not going to be able to understand him going forward and say, that's why everything is about to happen because there's a logic, because our logic is limited. Right? Which is, which is part of what's going on over there. So this is what the Rambam addresses. There, there, has to be, there has to be something which is beyond us. And um, this, is, this is really where, that's really where, where, where it occurs. Now, I've told the story a number of times, but I, I have to just start off with this, is, um, is that, um, is that um, Sir Ken Robinson has in his book, and I mentioned this just a few weeks ago, but Sir Ken Robinson has in his book a, about a little, girl, a little girl who's in art class, she's five years old, and the teachers asked everybody in class 
to draw. This is free rage. You have 20 minutes now to draw whatever you want. And all the kids are there drawing in class. And whenever the teacher comes by, Susie at the back, Susie covers up her drawing. And, she's, and it happens three times. The teacher comes over and says, Susie, dear, what exactly are you drawing? She says, it's a secret. So the teacher says, but, you know, Susie, you can tell me. I won't tell anybody else. And um, Susie says, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, but, you know, Susie, everybody knows that we don't know what God looks like. She says, well, in three minutes' time, they're going to. <laughs> and there's a certain innocence to that. Unfortunately, what's happened to us is the following. Now, this is, this is a dangerous thing. Is that what Christianity has done in general is Christianity has taken the, the, very, the very cerebral truths of Judaism and made it very black and white. You know, there's purgatory and there's fires and there's cherubs flying around, these little baby faces. Now, those, the Gomorrah does talk about an angel, Karavia, the face of a child. That doesn't mean to say that's what it looks like, okay? It's, it's certain concept, conceptual ideas. But what Christianity has done is a lot of those things. And stemming from that, when you're told to look at and think about God, you sort of start thinking about this, you know, this being, this white being with glasses and a long, black, a long white beard floating above the earth somewhere, right? That's a problem. That's that, 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 that comes from that same ideology. And it's a very big problem because essentially what you're saying is that God is imminent. God is somewhere. And that's exactly opposite to what the Ramam is saying over here. Now, the Ramam has the Ramam very harsh words to share about such individuals thinking that way. Let's, let's, let's skip to, for a moment, to source three, the very, the very top of here. The Rambam says, and we've seen this before, but it's important to, to re-emphasize now in the context of this discussion. The Rambam says there are five people who are considered to be people who are uh, heretics. If you think there's no God, there's no leader of the world, you're out. Okay. If you say that there is a leader, but he has a few helpers, you're also out. By the way, do you notice that these are the mirror opposites of the first three Ikarim, right? So the, the, and now... And now a person who believes that he is a guv or a baltamuna, that God has some form of physical manifestation, or you can limit him or understand him in such a way, you're out. Okay, so that's what the Rambam says, which means to say that start thinking about God in such a manner, you're done. You're out of the fold. You can do as many mitzvahs as you want, and you're not Jewish, meaning you're not part of the, say, of the club. That's what the Rambam is saying. Very, very, very harsh words. Says the Rambam, whoa. <laughs> Let's slow down over here. Says the says the Ravid, looking at this Rambam. The, the, um, ra, this is this is the Ravid who is the contemporary of the Rambam, and uh, on all, on most points across um, the Rambam's works is 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 critical. He says the following: It's in the source four at the very top line. Um, it says it says Avraham referring to himself. How can you call such an individual a heretic? That there are people who are greater than the Rambam, who read the Torah and came to the conclusion that there was some form of corporeal reality. And they also drew this conclusion from a number of Agodas which refer to Hashem in some bodily fashion. Now, what the, what's the Ravid essentially saying? What's, what's his argument? There are those who take it literally, therefore what? They, they can't be heretics. So what he's saying is that they're, they're great people in our tradition who have made that conclusion, therefore can't be heretics. But, but what he's saying is something, something even deeper, is that, that because the Torah itself seems to leave the door open, because the Torah itself seems to emphasize the fact that God does have some form of reality or some form of physical manifestation, 
Therefore, you can't be that harsh on the people who are going to arrive at the wrong train station. Okay, now, it might be, by the way, it might be, let, let's, let's put it this way. If you were to interview the rivet, and you were to say, you know, the Rav Avram, I've based him. What do you think? Do you think God is a body? What would you say he thinks? So he would say, probably, no. But, what he's saying is, his argument is, is that don't say the people who do are, are, are heretics. Don't, don't put the severity, don't put the weight on that. In fact, Rav Tversky, Rav, Ye, Rav, Rav yeah, I mean, Yitzhak Isidore Tversky wrote in his biography of the Ravid, this is in source, in source 5, there's not a shadow of doubt that the Ravid was personally committed to the traditional Jewish view, which maintained the, unlikely, the, unli- the unlikeness and incorporeality of God as an indispensable corollary of the existence of the, and unity of God, those Talmudic legends and homilies which nurture the corporeal misconception of God are, in his opinion, corrupting right opinion about religious matters. Elsewhere in his writings, Ravid is emphatic and unequivocal concerning the elimination of all anthropomorphic, you see, I'm not the only person who uses it, of all anthropomorphic attributes with regard to Hashem. It is not correct to speak in this manner about the Creator. So all he's doing is, he's not arguing with Rama ideologically, He's saying to the Rambam, just the, perhaps the, the degree is, 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 um, is incorrect. Why? Because the Torah itself allows this. So now this comes back to a very simple question. And this, the, the Rambam does address this, but it is very strange that, let's say within the Rambam worldview, the Rambam views this as such a heavy, such a dangerous thing. Isn't, isn't that really a very big risk the Torah is taking? Meaning, what, what the Torah wants us to understand Hashem. So it gives us metaphors for Hashem. But, should you, by any chance, misunderstand those met- metaphors, says the Ramam, you're on the wrong train. You're arriving at a different station. You're not, you're, you're, that's it. Gone. So that's dangerous. Meaning, that's a very big risk the Torah is taking. Why would the Torah take such a risk? Okay, that, that, that's a, I mean, the Ramam can explain the reason. But the question is, does that reason justify the risk? That's the, that's the question that's really on the table. Obviously, yes. It must, right? But, that, but, that's, that's, that, but the question is, is, perhaps there's more to it. Perhaps there's more to it than, what, than, than even what the Rambam is saying, yes. Is the, Rambam, is the Rambam saying just, is there more interpretation beyond what he's just saying? Meaning, if I think that God has eyes, but in a certain way, that's the only way for me to understand God, is that a problem? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the Rambam draws that line of meaning... Meaning, it sounds like the Rambam is saying that if there's some part of you actually attribute something physical to him, right? Meaning, God perceives, yes. God has eyes, no. I think that's you know, but but um, meaning, but that, that but that's that's where the Torah's metaphor is so subtle. When the Torah says eyes, it means perception, right? That's what's happening, David. Yes. In, fact, um, in regards to the question of eyes, which the eyeball is corporeal. Um, I think the Rambam would probably reference possibly Aristotle's metaphysics. Correct. Where Aristotle talks about correct, correct. The corporal eyeball's form, the eidos, is sight and vision, which has correct. no corporeality. Um, when we refer to somebody who's blind who has insight, that's one type of sight. And in, in Greek, actually, um, grammatically, the word for sight and vision uh, are very... Uh, unique and and uh, Aristotle and Rambam make a distinction that the the word sight and vision are a pure actuality of a potential potentiality, uh, which sounds a little technical, but um, the, the, the idea that um, you know, obviously that he forbid the Rambam forbid uh, anybody to look at Shirokoma, 
which is sort of the analog Lahabdil of uh, Dante's Divine Correct. So, no, you, 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 you're right. You're right. So, just I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to get to share comment in just a second. But um, just, uh, just, just to come, come back to a little bit of point of what David's saying, which is an important point, is that, um, is that the Rambam also, just to, just to understand that the Rambam's perception of the spiritual is completely devoid of any form of physical. So when the Rambam talks about Olam Abba, as opposed to the way that we commonly believe, like the Ramban understands it, he understands that Olam Abba is completely separate. Our bodies are left behind. There's nothing else left. It's an intellectual and spiritual experience. When the Rambam understands angels, the ra- angels are devoid of body. That's why the Rambam understands that the whole episode with Avraham Avinu meeting those angels was a dream. It wasn't that Avraham Avinu actually saw them because physical can't see spiritual. When I- Yaakov Avinu was struggling with uh, when Yaakov Avinu was struggling with the angel, when Yaakov Avinu was watching those angels, this was all dreams. These weren't actually occurring because the Rambam's understanding is that there's there's beyond the, that the spiritual is beyond conception. So therefore, as a, as an expression of that, anything anything to do with God, likewise is also within the same category, which is what, what David was mentioning as well. I want to just, if it's, if it's all right, I want to just um, um, share perhaps two tiers of, of understanding within this idea over here of why the Torah took that risk of trying to express Hashem in a bodily form when ultimately that's, there's a danger inherent in that. And this, one is a mystical level, and one is a very practical level. Coming back to Ra Slipkin's speech yesterday, there's the, there's the mystical view and there's a the rationalistic view, and both of them over here converge in a very fascinating way. So the mystical view is the following. The way the Nefesh HaChaim, Rav Chaim Velazhina, who was a student of the, of the Vilna Gaon, wrote, wrote lots of the Kabbalistic works, he wrote a work called the Ruach Chaim, on, um, after his own name, Rav Chaim Velazhina, Ruach Chaim on Pirkei Avos. That's his Pirush on Pirkei Avos. In his introduction... He says the following. This is a very, very deep concept that he says in Source 6. V'dai, you should know, ki kol All worlds are in tier one after the other, right? They're, they're, the worlds are tiered. Olam tachas olam, world under world. V'chol olam hu ke'ein, you know what I'm saying? So just by the way, so you're going to say, so, what, what, so how many worlds are there? It depends how you divide them, right? So you could divide them into four general categories. Right? Or, yeah, there's, there's, so the, the Racham talks about this. There's, there's four general categories of, of descent. But within those, there are many other, uh, other levels of descent. There are more interlocking worlds. But the point is that it's, 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 a, it's a layered system. Now, he has the, he has the, he has the rule. Um, so he says that each world, the, the, the higher world, is the neshama of the guf of the lower world. And his example is, you know, the Rambam himself describes that there are ten levels of angels. The Rambam, the Rambam in, in Hilchus Yisrael Torah. There's Chayos and Alfanim and, right, you know, when you Chayos, Yishareru, all those, all those things we say. Those are referring to different levels of angels, different levels of messengers or um, beings that are transferring the power of God into this world. So his example is that the Chayos, which are a certain type of angel, are the Guf HaChayos, Heim HaOfanim. The body of the Chayos are the Ofanim. Meaning the chaos as they express themselves into one world below them, which into afanim. The afanim are essentially afan actually means a wheel. So they're actually the wheels. They're the they're the body of that higher level, and behind the shama afanim, and they're the, the neshama for that. That's his, that's his example. So what is he saying over here? Is that the way to understand how the divine float descends through worlds is through a 
I, through the, the, the concept of neshama guf, neshama guf, neshama guf, which each world ultimately is, the neshama being will call it the form, or the, no, that's not the word, the, the intuition, the essence, which is expressed in a body of the next world. Ultimately to this world where it's the ultimate guf. Right? We're, the, we're the ultimate bottom of, the, of, of, the, of that form of expression. He goes on to explain this in greater depths in Nefesh HaChaim himself, and um, without, uh, without spending too much time on the, uh, actually inside, what he says is, is, is the following. He talks about how, um, how humanity, incorporated in humanity, is every element of the spiritual world around us, which means to say that the reason why humanity was created at the end of the creation process was because every element of the world, spiritually and physically, was incorporated into humanity, not just genetically, not just biologically, but actually spiritually. And that means to say all actions have a profound impact on all levels of the world. Then, then he goes on to say, but that's just a marshal for, for beyond that. So his example is the following. Um, let's just go, this is in Source 7 on page 5. The Nefesh Chaim says, I'm going to go in the second column over here. Um, let me just see over here. Okay. Let's just see where it's, where it's starting. He goes on to say... Here we are. So it's, it's in the middle of the second column. Um, it's by periods in the, perhaps the middle of the second column, which, where, they, where there's a period in the middle of the line, which says, V'shagura b'fi razal. He says, V'shagura b'fi razal. It is, this, is, this is basic concepts in Chazal, that she'odam hu ikunin v'diuknin malko she'olam yisparashmai. That humanity is, the, the, so to speak, the face of God in this world. The reason why we can't hang up our executed for more than a day is because that's the face of God, right? That's hanging there. Okay, Tanya The reason is because it's like two brothers who are twins, and the reason you can't hang up the, the thief brother is because the, uh, the prince brother is going to be insulted. That's a Kodesh Baruch to us, so to speak, which is fascinating. Okay, um... Everybody sees the, the bandit brother being hanged, where um, he says the king is being hanged. So to uh, Rashi says that the humanity is in the form of God. So he says like this. Um, he, he gets, the point he's trying to get to over here, and without spending too much more time on, the, on what he's trying to do, is the following. Is that just like humanity incorporates all of reality, so too God incorporates all of reality. God expresses himself in every manifestation transcendently in every part of the world. The way that is expressed is in this tiering system of the worlds that every world is a, a more finite expression of what was above it. So now if we, if we think in, this, in the terms of his system, what ultimately is the real reality? Think about, think about this for a moment. What is the real reality of, 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 of the world? Is? His self-sufficiency, his uniqueness. No, no, no I'm, saying, I'm saying based on this way. What I see over here and what is over there, up, up in heaven, what is real reality? What, what's, what's the real and truer and is more essential reality is? What's, what's closer to God, right? The more you derive your way upwards, the more closer you get to the neshama of the neshama of the neshama of the neshama, right? You're deriving your world back up into the process of what it really is. So now, when I, when I look at, let's say, Yad, 
I'm looking at a hand, right? And I'm looking at this, at this hand over here and I'm saying, wow, this is what a fascinating creation. What is that? That's merely a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of an expression of an expression of real Yad. When you talk about Yad Hashem, what, what, what ultimately are we talking about? We're talking about real hand, real power, what that really means. It's translated into a very, very you know, finite and very, very small expression, which happens to be at the end of our arms, right? But the, the point of the matter is, is that what's real Yad is what Hashem has. We are merely the mirror of that. We're, the, we're just the a slightest, slightest shadow that you could possibly say of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what does that mean? That means to say that what's the marshal for what? What's the metaphor for what within this, within this way of thinking of things? Within the more Kabbalistic way of looking at things? What's the, what's the metaphor for what? We are the metaphor for the real reality. That's, that's, that's what comes out. If you're looking at it through this perspective, the way we understand what real reality, what spiritual what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is through understanding that a hand has certain power and what it does. By understanding that, you can gain access to the real power of reality. It's exactly the mirror opposite of what the way the Ramam was saying. The way the Ramam, in the rationalistic way of looking at things, is saying is that ultimately God is, you, you have no way of understanding God. Right? We have the real hand. And the way the Torah talks is in our perspective, so we can maybe somehow have some form of access. The way the Kabbalah is saying is, no, in ultimate reality, that is the Yad. This is merely the, the reflection of it. That's a very, very, very fascinating way of looking at it. But, to end on, to end on uh, back in the camp of the more rational side of Judaism, which is, which is something so profound. This is, this is a Rav Shimshon Rav Hirsch that needs to be something which is emblazoned on your heart. This is such a powerful Rav Shimshon Rav Hirsch. Um, it's to be found in a number of places. But the, one of the earlier places it's found is in Bereshis Vav Vav. Rosh Hashanah Rafael Hirsch is, is concerned about the following, because the Torah talks about over there, coming back to anthropopathism, the Torah says that Hashem changes his mind. Rav Enochem Hashem, Hashem changes his mind on humanity, not a good experiment, let's destroy them. Right? That's what Hashem says. So that's, that sounds very human, <laughs> you know, saying, meaning God doesn't have plan Bs. God has, God has a plan A which keeps going. So how could there be a plan B? What's God doing? Changing his mind. And also, Vainachim has a certain element, um, emotional um, like element to it. It's like Hashem feels bad. What, what's Hashem feeling bad? What does it mean? Says the Sezra Hirsch. Regarding this and similar anthropomorphic expressions of God, we would like to make a general remark. For so long people have philosophized all around, all around these expressions to remove the danger of the slightest thought of any materiality or corporality of God, that at the end one runs very nearly into the danger of losing all idea of the personality of God. Had that been the purpose of the Torah, that there would be no personality, those kind of expressions could have easily been avoided. Meaning the Torah should just say, you, 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 you perform bestiality, there's a flood, that's it. That's all the Torah should say. But this, was the, the, this last danger is greater than the first. The two anthropomorphic expressions here save the two essential, save the two ex- essential conceptions. The freedom, the free will of God, and that of man. Not for nothing does it say when God saw. The wickedness of man was not a matter of necessity. God had to see it before he knew it. This expression gives us the guarantee of human free will. And the fate that overtook mankind was not the result of physical causes which followed set laws. It was preceded by an examination by God. And his decision, the decision itself, pained the decider. 
All this presupposes the personality and free will of God and keeps this clear in our minds. The Ravid already, one of the most Jewish of our thinkers, is of the opinion that the con- such consciousness of the personality of God is of much greater importance than speculating about it as to whether this or, or that can be asserted of God. So what he's doing is he's essentially he's resting on the foundation of the Ravid. That's what, he's, that's what he's doing at the end, end of it there. But he's saying, let me tell you why it's so important. And that is, is if you think of God and you, and you think of God completely detached, completely unconnected, completely beyond anything, then ultimately, he knows what we're all doing all the time. There's no space for us to really do things. And there's no relationship. The, power, the, the Torah took the great risk of expressing Hashem in terms of anger, in terms of pain, in terms of all these expressions over here, because it wanted to show us the very dear relationship that He has with us. Says Rav Hirsch, that danger that the Torah is taking, that risk that the Torah is taking, far outweighs the risk of thinking of Hashem as some, some being completely detached and completely uncaring about humanity. That's the, the, the risk that the Torah takes. What a profound understanding. To just to, to recap this, in these two different ways, d- different, different uh, um, ideas, within the idea of the Nefesh HaChaim, or the Ruach Chaim, the idea that ultimately, why does the Torah talk in terms of body parts of God? Because ultimately, that is the ultimate expression of what a Yad is supposed to be. Whereas the Rav Hirsch is saying, no, 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 forget that. It's simply because there needs to be an understanding that really Hashem is part and parcel of this world. And there's a connection. We're going to stop here. I'm going to start taking questions in just a moment. Rabbi Chanan Minakash, Amarat Sakhar, Baruch Hu, Lizakhoi, Israel, Rabbi Chanan, Rabbi Chanan, Rabbi Chanan, Rabbi Chanan, Rabbi Chanan, Rabbi Chanan, Rabbi